Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books that they're reading. I'm Olivia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. The book that we're reviewing this episode is Dust Devils by Roger Smith, published in June of 2011. It's available in the United States on Kindle and Nook. Roger Smith is also the author of books Wake Up Dead and Mixed Blood. The story of Dust Devils goes something like this. Uh, Framed for murdering his family, South African journalist Robert Dell's only ally is his oldest enemy, his father, an ex-CIA hitman with one last shot at redemption. Hunting the real killer, father and son take a bloody road trip into the heart of darkness, uncovering a conspiracy reaching to the highest levels of the state. All right, so that was the book synopsis. Um, The story is uh, about Robert Dell. He's an unemployed journalist, and he's present for the murder of his family, um, which is an event in relation to an something his wife had witnessed although it wasn't set up to be this way Dell becomes the scapegoat for the actual murders and he's arrested the story really kicks off uh after he's arrested he's uh he's kind of sprung from or almost kidnapped from captivity by his father who then uh he goes on the run with him looking for the people that actually killed his family a couple of other characters that make uh, important appearances in this book Inja Mazibuko who's a Zulu warlord. Uh, he's the target of, uh, of the father and son duo. Uh, he's a, just a brash, violent leader who is also suffering from AIDS and is planning to wed a Zulu virgin in hopes of curing himself. The Zulu virgin in question, uh, her name is Sunday. Uh, she's 16 years old and um, actually plays a pretty big part in the book and is a really unique, uh, interesting character as well. And rounding out the list of characters in this book, Disaster Zandi, who's a recently retired cop um, and is heading in the same direction as um, Dell and Goodbread, but for very different reasons. Uh, actually, Zandi makes an appearance in an earlier um, Smith book I, that I didn't read, but I did catch some of that online. So this is a recurring character for him. And the kind of just listing off the characters doesn't give you the, the whole story, but there's there's ways that all these characters, most of these characters kind of mesh together and their their pasts are intertwined in this, uh, in, from when Zandi and uh, Inja were younger and everything. And, and so just listing off the characters doesn't do it justice. It's very intriguing to see how their uh, stories intertwine and how it kind of unfolds in the present time. The entire story takes place in South Africa, and we didn't mention this at the top of the show, but uh, Roger Smith is uh, born and raised in South Africa. So what we have is a fairly authentic look at a lot of South African um, tradition, uh, political strife, living conditions, and it really, really is um, the favorite part, my favorite part of the book all around. Yeah, I um, like any good... I guess I'm putting, you won't see, but I'm putting up the, the air quotes, uh, journalist. I did my due diligence and I, and I, not knowing much about South Africa, I went on to Wikipedia about an hour before we started recording to <laughs> look up some of the, uh, the stuff that was mentioned in the book to see how authentic it was. I, I didn't, it's not as, not that I didn't trust, uh, Smith's authenticity, but I just didn't have a frame of reference. So, uh, Wikipedia really washes with what he says, uh, um, a lot of the stuff about how politics and local government works, uh, and then also the effect of HIV and AIDS, which is pretty well known. And then, yeah, just uh, more of the basic traditions of things that people wear and, and the way that the that their weddings work and things like that. Um, in my brief but very thorough journalistic research really washes with what he said. So it's it should be a very authentic, if a little bit gritty 
and dark look at uh, life in South Africa. Are you sure Roger Smith didn't just submit all of that to Wikipedia after writing his book? He, you know, <laughs> you are the cynic of this podcast. <laughs> I am. So Smith spends a lot of time um, throughout the story really giving us a, a, an inside look at South African culture, politics, as I mentioned earlier. But he does it in such an engaging way that even though I really enjoyed the character stories that were going on, I was really kind of turning pages looking forward to more of South African culture. And much like Rob, I don't know the first thing about South Africa. So it was really it was really a good educational experience for me to read this book. And I found um, some of the things... Um, just really amazing. Not to cast aspersions so early into the uh, the episode, but uh, I'm wondering if the reason that you don't know the first thing about South Africa is because you hate reading nonfiction. Does that have anything to do with it? You are absolutely correct. But one of the points that I made throughout, and I says I always like learning things from books, and I feel like I learned some really authentic um, South African stuff from a fiction book without reading something that came across as, as a dry educational tome. I was able to read a really good and engaging, gritty story while learning something about the culture. And I know I learned, you know, the first little, the tip of the the iceberg culture of, you know, South Africa as far as that goes. But I do feel like I knew a little more than I did before. And that's one of the things I always look for in a book. Absolutely. The interesting thing about this book, and it's a function of the fact that it's a crime book, is that you see a lot of the more negative aspects of politics and and culture and the way people act and me personally a lot of my experience with hearing about africa and stuff is through people i know who are in the peace corps and really the shiny kind of um very positive culture is awesome kind of uh stuff so i i don't have a perspective of maybe some of the negative or more uh, mundane day-to-day stuff so this was a nice way to see another perspective of South Africa from, I mean, even the people I know that were from South Africa and stuff, you only hear, you know, the good, the shiny, the really nice, oh, this culture is so rich and it's, you know, it's got a huge history and everything. And, and so it was nice to see a, some of the more mundane things that go on and B just some of the more dark, not so bright kind of negative, the crime element and stuff like that, that exists. Yeah. It, it plays such a huge role in this book. You know, the again, the politics, the history, traditions are always really near at hand. And again, it's really what made the story for me. Um, the tribal traditions are featured throughout and are a stark reminder just of how different our life in, you know, here in the United States is. Uh, you know, for example, one of the characters is sold off in a marriage at age 16 for a couple of thousand dollars and two cows. Rituals surrounding the wedding process also included, you know, proof of virginity. And, and all of it was just very riveting to see what went into, you know, um, homemade remedies for different things or like i said the wedding the wedding traditions and it was all very very engaging um yeah one of the things that was great for me about the book was aids obviously is a big problem in africa i think i read a statistic somewhere that south africa as a country had like the second highest percentage of uh, aids patients or something like that so obviously aids is a big thing and you hear a lot about the outreach and stuff that's going on um, I personally hadn't heard much about the denials, like the AIDS uh, deniers who would basically say that the cures that people are, are talking about and the medicines, these antiretrovirals and stuff were just a bunch of nonsense. And there was all these kind of homespun remedies. And 
I'd never seen that perspective before, but in reality, in 2006, um, a health minister would advocate a diet of garlic, olive oil, and lemon to cure AIDS. And so that's something that's that plays a part in the book, and it was really fascinating to see that woven into a story. And it was really fascinating. Yeah, I mentioned during some of the character descriptions that's uh, Inja, who is uh, who has AIDS. Um, his plan to cure AIDS is to have sex with the, to be married to and have sex with a virgin. And this is something he honestly believes is, you know, a somewhat intelligent adult human being will cure him. So yeah, there's just all, it's chock full of, um, fascinating culture. And, uh, and as an American who doesn't know much about South Africa, just endlessly fascinating to see all of these, uh, cultural things going on. Yeah. And even though South Africa plays, almost its own character in this uh in this story um let's not forget what it's about it's actually a crime story and there's some really good stuff there too i mean the pace is absolutely relentless um it switches back and forth between these five characters um every i don't know three to four pages maybe uh, very short chapters which allows the story to move along at just a really really solid pace so yeah there's never really a dull moment in this story um, the violence is just, it just feels very real. And I've read a ton of other stuff in the same vein, the crime slash action adventure. And one of the things that this book lacked that a lot of those had, and I guess I said made, made that sound negative, so let me correct myself. This book lacks the kind of pomp and circumstance that goes beyond those, you know, those extended scenes where somebody's about to be killed and, you know, it's just kind of dragged out. And this book's villains cut people down just really, really quickly, which made them a more credible and and b more frightening in in my opinion. You know, it's it's that whole James Bond uh, theory, you know, where the villain has to explain to you, or you know, Batman, <laughs> where the Joker has to explain to you why, you know, not just putting you down right away, but has to take the time to explain it to you. And so many of those books um, do that. And this one was. When there was someone that was going to be put down, there was no time in between. It was a bullet to the head, and that was it. And it made it far more believable and more enjoyable because it felt more real, if any of that made sense. Absolutely. There was, yeah, you're right. And there's a very stark reality to, I think, not just the violence, but practically every part of the book. The, the warm-hearted moments felt really genuine. Um, the violence, the sadness, and even the characters themselves. Um, you take a character like Robert Dell's father, Bobby Goodbread, who, when you read about him in the synopsis, or when you you know when you think about a former CIA agent who's kind of like a hitman, that kind of guy who you know in the '60s and '70s and everything, automatically, like Livia said with the Bond thing, there's like a million stereotypes that fill your head. And I even was very hesitant to. I was reticent about the character because I thought it was going to come across as just this kind of cardboard cutout of a former CIA agent looking for redemption kind of thing. But man, if that character doesn't come across incredibly authentic and um, really not necessarily likable, but sympathetic uh, as the book went along, I really started to get into the Bobby Goodbread character more than I thought was going to be possible. I think all of the characters were written 
in a very, again, you know, to go back, it's a very realistic way. Um, there were no big heroes. There were no, you know, people out reaching outside the bounds of what was really realistic for them. Uh, again, which is what happens in several books. You know, you'll have, I, I mean, journalists on the run is certainly not a new approach to a story. Um, as I know, I've read several of them myself. So what happens is that journalists typically in a lot of those other books become Superman and is able to, you know, dash off villains, you know, really easily in tons of them. And that's not the case in this book. This book felt very real for the situations that presented themselves. And uh, just to kind of give you an idea of the sound or the tone of some of the book, I've got a few quotes that I thought summed up the book idea of the feeling of the story in general but also just kind of kind of a good tone that he he sets in the book this uh first quote is dell and his father they're just kind of setting out on their crazy journey they have ahead of them and and this is good bread talking to dell welcome to the heart of goddamn darkness son the old man's laugh sounded like a death rattle there's another part in the book where um this is this is the character zandi and uh, one of the one of the kind of themes with Zandi was he grew up in this very simple, I guess, tribal kind of uh, poverty lifestyle. And uh, as an adult, he, he he actually lives in Johannesburg. He drives a BMW. He wears nice clothes and stuff like that. So the book brings him back to his childhood town or village. And uh, this is a quote uh, where he's kind of reflecting on that. Zandi turned the wheel and headed back toward town. The stolen gun jabbed his ribs. He felt as if this place was reclaiming him inch by inch. All right, this next quote is just kind of a reflection on the general beliefs of uh, that impoverished lifestyle. And it goes, Strong, these women, from years of carrying water and gathering firewood, while their men smoked weed and plotted revenge. That was a fantastic line. Uh, those are the quotes. I had a couple more, but those are the ones I wanted to share because I thought um, it gave you a good idea of the tone of, of kind of how he portrays uh, these characters and their lifestyles and everything. It's kind of this gritty, painful, and very real, starkly real story. And I thought these quotes were really uh, a good example of that. Can't believe I have to goad you into this. Aren't you going to talk about your your favorite word that he used in there that I'm not going to try to pronounce? <laughs> yeah, uh, I know that we kind of um, strayed away in the last few episodes from word copying or just talking about you know words in general or snob word snobbery, I guess. But um, I actually, when I got to <laughs> when I got to this part in the book, I texted. I'm going to pull up the text. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> when I got to this part in the book, I texted Livius and I said um, he actually used schadenfreude in context, and I was very proud of him for that. So uh, <laughs> for anybody who is listening, not really sure exactly what schadenfreude is, it's um, it's a German word that basically means um, when you take pleasure in witnessing another person's suffering. And um, yeah just used perfectly is like probably the best example I've ever seen of not that I've seen a million examples of people using the word schadenfreude but the best example I've seen so far in a, in a book of using the word schadenfreude and it made me very happy to see that so not word snobbing in a bad way but I have to give some serious props to uh, Roger Smith for for using the word schadenfreude and and it made me very happy Okay, now that you've gone and, and alienated everybody, including me, for our <laughs> lack of intelligence regarding that word, would you share with everybody where you told me that I should know that word from? <laughs> well, all right. 
it's it's the easiest. I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring Rob down to our level a little bit here after that that soliloquy on Schadenfreude. All right, I am going to explain where, and then I'm gonna. And then I'm going to defend myself. So when Livius uh, was unsure of, of Schadenfreude, I said, <laughs> it's in that episode of Boston Legal. And I, I went on to explain what the episode was and everything. But in the in the courtroom, uh, <laughs> James Spader's character uh, uses the word to, to describe um, how people feel about a defendant who the only way that they would be able to actually convict this person and the absence of you know, evidence or anything was, was just by schadenfreude, by gaining uh, glee at watching her suffer. Now, in my defense, I knew <laughs> what schadenfreude was before seeing that episode, but it's such a really good um, explanation of the word and the feeling behind it that um, I, I, I might even try and find out on YouTube so I can just share it with people because it's such, such, so eloquently explains what schadenfreude is. Ugh. All right. <laughs> Aren't you glad we brought word word copying back to to the show? So this is what Livius does on our. Uh, <laughs> this is what Livius does. He'll make me talk about something, and then he'll make fun of me for it. <laughs> and this is. I just couldn't believe you didn't throw it out there all on your own. That's why I said I can't believe I have to goad you into this. And it's a little shot in front of your own there. You're. Yeah, you know what? There, there you go. See what you did there. All right, I'm thinking we're about ready to wrap this up. What do you think? Yeah, uh, why don't you go? Because I just talked a lot about Schadenfreude. Okay. Do you think you can squeeze that word in one more time before the end of the episode? <laughs> At least once. Okay. All right, so to sum up, I'm not going to say a whole lot new here. The book's super fast-paced, it's engaging, and it's a really interesting look into a vastly different culture. At least for me. Now, if you're listening to this in South Africa, it's probably not that uh, different a look. But for me, I learned a lot, which was great. Um, the characters were were very believable. The story was very fast-paced. Um, kind of the book closest to this that we've talked about on the show would probably be the Mozart Conspiracy, at least in terms of pace and even kind of the general revenge subject matter. But where that book had its you know, over-the-top villains in these insane scenes where the protagonist could put down seven or eight armed attackers you know, within a minute, this book... You know, carried with it a sense of very stark realism and, you know, is believable front to back, in my opinion, which also makes for a very, very good book. All in all, I really enjoyed the book, really enjoyed, puts it at a four on our uh, on our Goodreads star system. So four stars it is. Okay, and for my take, I mean, we really sang the praises of the book already about all the stuff that we thought was really good. I thought the characters were great. I thought they were very authentic. Uh, the story read very authentic and... It was engaging, uh, like Livia said. It was a it it was a, a page turner. To be completely honest, at the very very beginning of the story, I was worried about how much I would uh, like it. I don't know if it's just uh, something that had to do with how I was feeling or my level of dedication to the book. But man, after like twenty percent of the way into the book, I was bought in and I was I was going along for the ride. So I'm um, gonna wrap it up there. It was a very good book, and I'm gonna give it four stars as well. Very good. Um, people who would like this book, this is a good book for any crime fiction fans, anybody who likes gritty and realistic um, crime and violence, and uh, and fans of noir. I mean, fans of dark. It's very dark subject matter. Uh, you know, deals with some familial relationships. It's it's it has a very wide range of people that could enjoy this book. 
Okay, and just a little bit more about the author and his books before we move on to shout-outs and other stuff. Uh, his book, Mixed Blood, won the Thriller Award in Germany, uh, was voted number one crime novel of 2009, and has been nominated for a Spindingler Award. The movie rights have been optioned with Samuel L. Jackson attached to star and Philip Noyce uh, from Salt on board to direct. His other book, Wake Up Dead, is also in development as a feature film. Um, you can get more info on uh, Roger Smith at rogersmithbooks.com. Um, we're also hoping that we can have Roger Smith on uh, on the show. Um, he lives in South Africa. We're not sure with time zones and internet connections and Skype if it's something that's really doable, but um, we have reached out to Roger Smith, and we would like to have him on the show. So that's something that could be coming up here in the next couple of weeks. All right. I'm really dying to do my shout-out, but before I do, um, is there anything that you think uh, – what's the first question you think, or what's a big question you would ask Roger Smith if we did get him on for an interview? <laughs> um, that while, wasn't, while that, reading, that that wasn't uh, a setup at all. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> while reading through the book, and I debated on mentioning this or not, but boy, I really got the feeling that nothing in South Africa smells good. <laughs> so <laughs> – that's something I want to ask him about is, does it really, really smell that bad in South Africa all the time? Yeah, um, stink is to Roger Smith as the color purple is to Christopher Dwyer. For anybody who's listened to all our episodes, that's actually almost a funny thing to say. <laughs> almost, except if you're Chris Dwyer or Roger Smith. <laughs> but that's all right, because hopefully neither one of them are listening right now. So, <laughs> All right, and then Rob, go ahead and, and let's talk a little bit about your shout out for the week. Okay, this is something that's actually been on our radar for a little bit, but um, I wanted to just give a quick mention of an uh, author that yeah, I really enjoy, and I believe Livius is a big fan of his as well, is Christopher Moore. Christopher Moore has a graphic novel called The Griff coming out uh, July 19th, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. So the story is basically about, uh, I guess, an ancient – what he says is an ancient alien beacon is activated, which summons these spaceships – to Earth that unleash unleash these huge griffin-like aliens who uh, they knock out our communications and they, they basically they're just taking over the world. They're killing everybody. A couple of New York people. There's three characters: a goth gamer chick, a skater, and your stereotypical buff kind of commando guy uh, team up and fight back against the aliens. Uh, they start out in New York and they make their way to Orlando, where I guess there's a spacecraft that crashed on the way battling aliens and everything and i guess they meet up with a couple other characters and and fight back so it's your typical alien invasion apocalyptic thing but written from christopher moore which if you don't know christopher moore i have to imagine this is going to be kind of a really goofy but at the same time serious take on a story uh, to illustrate that one of his characters is a middle-aged guy who's dressed a professional squirrel. He's one of those people that dress up in costume, so he's a squirrel. So one of the one of the main characters in the book is a man who dresses as a squirrel. Um, yeah, graphic novels not um, not really my thing. I've read a few that were okay. I'm looking forward to this by Christopher Moore because I've enjoyed almost all of his books immensely, <laughs> with the exception of Fluke, and I still just didn't get Fluke. I don't know, but I really loved all the other stuff. And since Rob didn't mention it, I'm pretty sure I turned him on to Christopher Moore too. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and perhaps, I don't know how well we'll be able to do this, but maybe we could do a review of the graphic novel here on the show after it comes out. 
Yeah, we actually have some friends who are big comic book and or graphic novel enthusiasts, so uh, it might be nice to have a guest on for that. Or we could just uh, be selfish and keep it all to ourselves. But anyway, check out The Griff. Uh, Christopher Moore on Facebook has a, a Griff fan page, and I think he's got some stuff on his blog as well. We'll put links up on our posts for this episode. Very cool. So our next booked will be kind of a first for us too. Um, first of all, we're going to be doing a review of a short story. Like I'd mentioned before, it's something we'd like to do on our interlude episodes going forward when at all possible. Uh, Z, B, and B by David James Keaton will be our featured story on our next interlude episode. But what makes that episode extra special, I'll let Rob tell you about it. Next episode is the first episode ever on Booked where we're going to have a guest host. Uh, a friend of ours, Dan Hines, who has his own podcast, it's a movie review podcast, is going to be joining us. He's going to be reading Z, B, and B and joining us for the whole episode. So we're excited to have him on and see how that goes. I think it's going to be great. I'm excited to have Dan on. I think he's going to bring a different energy that I, I'm going to enjoy. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how a guest host would go on, and I am actually kind of excited to have Dan on. I think it's, uh, like Rob said, it's going to put a little bit of a different take on things around here. All right, let me tell you really quickly how to get in touch with us. Uh, you can get us on Twitter, at Booked Podcast. Uh, you can go to our website, which is bookedpodcast.com. You can email us at bookedpodcast at gmail.com. You can get us on iTunes, looking for Booked Podcast. Subscribe to us, leave a comment, give us a rating there. And the big announcement for this episode is um, there's a new way to get yourself some booked episodes. Booked is now officially on Stitcher. Livy, see anything to say about us being on Stitcher now? Yeah, actually, you may remember back on the first or second episode of this podcast, which was almost three months ago, I said, hey, we're going to be on Stitcher. And then we never got on Stitcher. And Stitcher was nice enough to provide us with some copy of what we can say about the fact that we're now on Stitcher. So I'm going to give you one of those as an example. And then maybe Livius can give you a little bit of an, his, his response to it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Our show is now on Stitcher. Listen to us on your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, and WebOS phones. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Hey, um, after three months, we're finally on Stitcher. <laughs> That's all I have. All right, I will say this about <laughs> Stitcher. All right, in all fairness, all right, I'll say a little more about Stitcher. When we first applied to be on Stitcher, which was at the same time we applied to be on iTunes, um, I got really excited. I downloaded the Stitcher app. I waited patiently <laughs> for days for us to be on there. And finally, when I realized that we were perhaps never going to be on Stitcher, I went ahead and uninstalled it. Those of you that have an Android phone uh, might be familiar with the fact that it always asks you why you're uninstalling the app. And I'm looking at these, and I'm thinking the only one that comes to mind is that it's malicious. <laughs> so I go, all right, I'm going to click that it's malicious and uninstall it. Well, then it asked me for a reason why and wouldn't let me continue until I gave it a reason. So my reason was because they wouldn't accept our podcast, that Stitcher was a malicious app. So there you go. I wonder if anybody on Stitcher actually listens to this, and if next week we'll be talking about not being on Stitcher anymore. <laughs> We're going to get booted off. <laughs> yeah. I will say, and that's fine, because I'll be happy to mention them for however many other podcasts we do. Um, but I will say this about Stitcher. It loads super fast, streaming-wise. And these file sizes, if anybody's looked at them, Rob refuses to keep them under 50 megabytes. Um, so even at that size, I don't know if they downsize them, but, man, I hit the button, and this thing just went and went through an entire episode. 
So I will give them credit. There is some some quality there. It just takes them a while to get around to it. Yeah, I've actually used Stitcher to uh, listen to some other shows and stuff. And uh, I mean, how lazy are you when you don't even want to go into iTunes to get your uh, to get your podcast? But I mean, that's I, I started using Stitcher for some other podcasts, and like Olivia said, it loads up really fast, and you can start a list of favorites and it's just really simple so uh if you don't have an iphone and you want a nice easy way to get uh booked on your phone stitcher i've i've got no complaints about it other than <laughs> to mirror livius's uh derision at the fact that it took them almost three months to get us on there they did apologize in the email they did actually yeah they did yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll give them that. They apologized and said, we're sorry it took so long, but we were trying to make this the perfect listening experience. The only issue with that is they were on the whole time. It's not like they were down for maintenance. So whatever. We're on Stitcher. <laughs> it's part of our agreement with them that we mentioned that we're on Stitcher, too, by the way. So we're on Stitcher. There's a nice little link on our website and uh, <laughs> our, our uh, half-assed promotion of it at the end of the show. So agreement fulfilled. All right, and I think now that we've actually figured out a way to get out of a place that's streaming our podcast, I think it's time for us to sign off. Sounds good. You've been listening to the book podcast. Until next time, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. How long shall they kill our prophets while we stand aside and look? Yes, some say it's just a part of it. We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing?